Heavenly Father, as we just heard in that song before the Bible reading, uh, we do ask that you will speak, O Lord, uh, that your word will uh, speak to our hearts and that we will be encouraged and challenged to lead the life, the life of faith, trusting you, our Heavenly Father, uh, and indeed living not just for this life, but for eternity. Amen. <clears throat> uh, let me ask you, what ambitions do you have for your life? Uh, what are your dreams for the future? And where are they located? Of course, we have all manner of dreams, uh, but are they solely focused on the things of this life, or do your dreams also encompass eternity that lies beyond? Uh, if you were to summarize uh, the hopes for your life in a mission statement, what would it be? Uh, when I uh, was in my 20s, uh, living in London, I had a friend there called Greg, and he had a very clear mission statement for his life. Uh, he was in my church with me, a uh, Christian man. Uh, he was my age as well, 20, 25. Uh, but his mission statement was this. He said, by the time I'm 40, I want to be a millionaire. Well, uh, it was a very clear mission statement. By the time he was 40... He wanted to be a millionaire. Uh, that was in pounds, remember, uh, not dollars. And that was 1990, so it'd be a lot more money now. But that was his target. That was his hope and dream. And that was something which really drove him. And as a Christian, I was concerned for him because I thought, that's very, very focused just on this life. He didn't seem to have anything which really drove him beyond that. Uh, I don't know what's happened to Greg today. I've lost contact with him. Uh, but my concern is, I wonder if he's still going on with the Lord. Uh, let me speak to young people here today, because we've got a few, and it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, you, of course, are at the beginning of your life, and you're starting to set your goals for your life. So my question would be, uh, where is your focus going to be? Uh, how will God influence your goals? Uh, will your goals just be focused on this life, or will you also include God and the life beyond in your goals and your planning? Uh, and we'll come back to you at the end of the sermon because we're going to think more about what that means at the beginning of our life. Uh, what about at the other end? Uh, if you're near retirement age, what are your hopes for your retirement? Uh, what priorities will shape how will you will use it? And if we're in between, of course, that question is still very relevant. It's relevant for every stage of life. Now then, what we're going to see today is that Jesus has some incredibly important advice for all of us, whatever our stage of life, on how to live our life well. And Jesus is going to alert us to a danger that can shipwreck our lives for eternity. Now, in this passage, uh, from verse 13 onwards, we encounter some of Jesus' teaching on money and on possessions. And at first, it seems somewhat out of place in Luke's account. Uh, we scratch our heads. How does this follow on from the previous section, which was just read to us? Uh, there doesn't seem to be a real logical connection. But actually, we're going to see that this seeming disjunction actually sharpens the message. Let me explain. Have you ever shared something really personal or profound with somebody, only to then have them make a comment that is totally unrelated? And you go, did you just hear what I shared with you? Well, such is the case here. Now, Jesus has been challenging his followers 
uh, not to be like the hypocritical Pharisees. Uh, he's been talking about deep and weighty issues, issues of eternity. You see, the Pharisees, although they're very religious, they're not living their lives for God. Actually, they're living their lives for themselves. Uh, they're living for prestige, and they're living for power. And the goals and ambitions of the Pharisees are pretty well focused on this life, uh, not on the life that lies beyond. And these Pharisees, of course, react with violence against anyone who would threaten their power and position, and Jesus and his followers fall into that category. So Jesus has been exhorting his followers to live their lives with eternity in view. He's been saying to them, remember God, uh, have a reverent fear for God. Uh, remember that there is a life beyond this life. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Live your lives now in the light of that. Uh, look again at Luke 12, verse 4. He says to them, I tell you, my friends, uh, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more, uh, referring probably to the Pharisees. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the killing of the body, has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Fear God. Live your lives in reverent fear of God. So you see, Jesus has been talking about these weighty matters. Uh, he's been extending people's horizons beyond this life into eternity. But no sooner has he uttered these words when some chap pipes up with this totally unrelated question. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Excuse me, have you been listening to anything I've been saying? You see, this man's question exposes his heart. He's not concerned about these spiritually weighty matters. His focus is very much on the here and now, not eternity. Uh, his primary preoccupation is with money. He wants Jesus to help settle a family inheritance dispute. But Jesus is not to be deflected. Uh, rather than being drawn off topic, Jesus turns it into a teaching opportunity. Verse 14. Uh, Jesus replied, Man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you, then he said to them, to his disciples, his followers, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Uh, do you see, uh, Jesus is now, he's entered the realm of the big questions of life. Uh, he's posing those questions, what is life all about? And he's being very clear about what life is not all about. You see, he's saying the good life is not found in the pursuit of money, in being a millionaire by the age of 40, in getting more possessions, in having an ever-growing, increasing span of wealth. And that would seem to be this guy's problem. Uh, this is the filter through which this man viewed his life. And it was a perspective that would shipwreck him. Because you see, underneath it was an idol, the idol of greed. And Jesus could see it. He could see the dark shadows of greed on the x-ray of this man's heart. 
Uh, hence his warning. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. You know, greed is slippery. Uh, greed sneaks in and un under our radar. Uh, greed comes in many different shapes and forms. And Jesus warns, therefore, there are all kinds of greed. Am I prone to greed? Yeah, certainly. And I would suggest that each of you is also. You see, greed is a real danger for all of us. And that means we need to watch out for it. And we need to identify it, and then we need to turn from it, and we need to guard against it. Now then, what is greed? Well, of course, greed is this insatiable desire for more. Uh, we never have enough. Uh, we're never satisfied. Uh, we take our standard of living as the accepted benchmark, and we only ever look upwards to what we do not yet have. Uh, the very opposite of greed is contentment, where we are happy and content with what we have. In some translations of the New Testament, uh, the word which is rendered here as greed is also represented as being as covetousness. We look with green, envious eyes at what we do not yet have. Uh, the message in our heart is, if only I had the PlayStation 5, I would be happy. But greed is a problem. It is a real problem. Uh, greed is not good. Uh, greed destroys our lives. Uh, you see, greed fails to enable us to look beyond this life to the life beyond. The focus becomes very much now. Uh, greed attaches our hearts and our hopes to temporary things of the moment. And it draws us away from the worship of the living God to the worship of inanimate, perishable things which will soon be gone. Uh, like a sugar hit, greed sells us a fleeting momentary joy and then draws us away from the true eternal joy of knowing and loving Jesus. Uh, that's why in Matthew 6, Jesus says this, uh, no one can serve two masters, either he will hate this, the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, we need to be very clear. Uh, it is not wrong to enjoy possessions. Uh, God has made this world for us to live in and to enjoy. Uh, I've seen this in my own home this last two weeks or so. Um, the boys have all bought from uh, Kmart the uh, uh, fitness watches. And so they've had them on their wrists and it's been telling them how fit they are or not, as the case may be, how many steps they have each day. And it's been quite interesting to see how interested and focused they have become on uh, stepping and walking and trying to get up to 10,000 steps. Uh, there has been real joy on their faces as they've had these new gadgets flicking through all the various features of them. That is a great thing. Uh, God gives us things to enjoy in this life. But here's the point. Whilst possessions can be fun, it is a mistake to then think that true happiness lies in getting more and more of them. 
You see, Jesus is not saying that he's against material things, but he is against materialism, where we live just for those things. If greed is slippery, and it comes in many different shapes and forms, how do we know if greed is present in our hearts? Well, to illustrate the terrible destructive effects of greed, Jesus tells a tragic story of a man who believed wealth could bring him true happiness. Uh, The man in Jesus' story uh, did see the good life as consisting in the abundance of his possessions. That's what he thought life was all about. Uh, For the man in Jesus' story, matter was all that mattered. And sadly, although he was captive to greed, this man in Jesus' story never seems to realize it. He was blind to its presence until the very end of his life, and then it was too late. Yet, you see, as we listen to the story that Jesus tells, uh, we are going to be able to discern clues as to how greed operates in our own hearts. We're going to get clues as to what it looks like, how greed expresses itself in our behavior. And in so doing, we're going to be more able to see greed in our own hearts and to turn from it because we don't want to have our lives destroyed as this man's life was. So let's look at the story. Verse 16. Then Jesus told them this parable, a story. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Well, okay. So here we're introduced to a successful farmer. Uh, He's enjoying a windfall. Uh, He's already rich, we're told. But on top of that, he's now reaping a bumper crop. Uh, So much so that he has a storage problem. Now, that's a nice problem to have. And so now he has to decide what he will do with his wealth. And it's at this point that we start to see the signs and the symptoms of greed. Because firstly, uh, greed is expressed in self-centeredness. This guy is self-absorbed. His primary concern is himself. Uh, As we work through our way through the story, uh, watch out for the repeated use of the first-person tense. I, me, my. Uh, Also, as he is confronted with his dilemma, notice who he dialogues with and who he doesn't dialogue with. He asks himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. He doesn't ask God what he should do, and he doesn't pray. You see, there's no seeking of God's will and wisdom. Uh, This man is not asking, God, what what would you have me do with my windfall? There is no thought of giving some of his wealth to care for the poor and the needy. There's no mention of investing some of his windfall into gospel ministry. There's no offering to God and there's no tithe. It's all to be stored solely for his own benefit. You see, greed has this hoarding mentality. Greed is self-centered and it's blinkered to the needs of others. And we also see a second symptom of greed here, because not only does greed express itself in self-centeredness, 
but also in proud thanklessness. Uh, the farmer's heart is revealed as much by what he doesn't say as by what he does say. Uh, he is sadly silent when it comes to thanking God for his abundance. Uh, because uh, in the end, everything he has is on loan from God. Uh, his life, his land, his abilities. He doesn't really own any of them. He's just a tenant and God is the landlord. And yet... There's no mention of thankfulness towards God. Let me ask you a question. Uh, do you find it easy to be thankless to God? Uh, is it not worryingly easy to slip into the mindset, hey, everything I have, I've worked for it. I've worked hard. I've used my skills, my abilities. I've made good decisions. You see, when we slip into that mindset, we're in danger of forgetting to acknowledge and to thank God. We overlook the fact that all the good things that we enjoy are ultimately from God's hand. We slip into proud thanklessness. So let's get back to the story. Uh, this proud, self-centered farmer is not long in coming up with his solution. He says, I know, I'll build more infrastructure to preserve my perishable goods, verse 18. Uh, then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh-huh. Now we are starting to see his heart as it truly is. What does he believe about what the good life encompasses? Is? What does he think is the key to true happiness? Well, in a word, it is self-indulgence. Having enough buffer to be able to live a retirement lined with comfort and luxury. Now, of course, there is nothing wrong in saving for retirement, and it would be foolish to bin our supers. But the problem here is that for him, the heart of his retirement plan is self-indulgence. But then comes the twist in the tale. The story takes a dramatic, unexpected turn with the introduction of three words, but God said... Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You see, God's verdict over his life exposes the spectacular folly of his life goals. You fool. You see, this man's greed has distorted his view of reality. It's put blinkers on his eyes, blinding him to the life beyond this life. His focus has just been on this life now, with a total disregard for eternity. Until now, he hadn't given a thought to God, 
But now he will have to give an answer to God. Until now, he had wanted to keep it all for himself. But now he will have to leave it all behind. He is now confronted with the reality he previously denied. His life, everything he had, was only on loan from God. And now God is calling in the loan. God is now taking it all back. He was a fool. He had assumed that he would live for many years yet. But actually, the span of his remaining earthly life was measured in hours, not in years. And none of us know how long God will grant us on this earth, do we? There is great wisdom in asking, what verdict will God declare over my life when I stand before him? And so Jesus sums up the timeless challenge of this poignant story for you and for me in verse 21. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. You see, this greedy farmer thought he was rich, but actually he was utterly poor before God. So let me speak again to you young people at the back there. Isaac, uh, Davik, Daniel, uh, watch out. Be on your guard. Uh, what a blessing to listen to the wisdom of Jesus at the very beginning of your life. Because you are still in the process of making up your minds what your lives will be about. You are still thinking about, hey, what will I live for? What will be my goals in life? So let me ask you, what will they be? What goals will you set yourself? Now then, it is wise to study hard at school. Because if you get good qualifications, it's going to open many doors in the future... And it's going to lead you, leave you with a wide range of options in life. And that's great. However, be on your guard against greed. Guys, don't make the mistake of thinking that you should study hard so that you can get as much money as possible. Because if that becomes the goal of your heart, you're building your life on a foundation that will eventually fail. Be wise. Be rich towards God. So let's think more generally for all of us. Uh, what does it mean to be rich towards God? For that is that what, that what we all need to think about, whether we are young, old, or in the middle. Uh, I could break it down and sum it up in two phrases. Uh, trusting in Christ and then serving Christ. You see, true and lasting happiness can never be found in possessions, although apple will do everything to convince us otherwise. Uh, believe it or not, boys, even PlayStation 5 will not deliver lasting happiness. Christ has come to rescue us from a life of futility and to restore to us a life of true purpose. You see, without Christ, we are cut off from God forever, but with Christ, we are reconciled to God forever. He is our good shepherd, as we saw in the kids' talk. 
Now, there are four words that will open the floodgates of God's blessing on our lives. And they are, these words are these. Jesus, please forgive me. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says this. In Him, that is in Jesus, we have redemption. That means we're redeemed, we're reconciled to God. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. See, in Jesus, we have access to the riches of God's grace. You see, the riches of the gospel are not promised in this life, but in the next life. And through faith in Jesus now, we become entitled to a rich inheritance in heaven that no one can take away. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says this, uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, that will never spoil, that will never fade, kept in heaven for you. You see, if we have Jesus, we have a rich inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. But if we don't have Jesus, like the greedy farmer, we are utterly spiritually bankrupt for all of eternity. So the most important thing is that we trust Jesus. We say, Jesus, please forgive me. And having made that decision, we then live in the light of that commitment. Our whole life is then directed to serving Jesus. So, in closing, how can we guard against greed? In closing, how can we be truly rich towards God? Uh, I have a few pointers as we gather the strands together. I'll be very brief uh, and leave them for you to reflect on in your own hearts and also if you want to pick up on them in discussion in a few minutes. Uh, the first uh, pointer would be this. Uh, don't be lovers of money, but lovers of God and people. You see, when we love money, what we're doing is we're putting our trust in it. But to love money is folly because money cannot deliver the happiness it promises. Proverbs 11 verse 28 says this, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Uh, you see, uh, we can't take any of our worldly goods with us through the portal of death. However, there is something which we can take with us. What does transfer from this life into eternity is love and service to God and to others. And therefore, the wise person is not a lover of money, but a lover of God and a lover of people. Uh, second strand to pick up on then. Uh, don't hoard selfishly, but give generously. Uh, one expression of loving God and others uh, is not to hoard selfishly like the greedy farmer, but to give generously. Uh, we invest in people. We invest in their lives. We care for them. We love them. We serve God's kingdom with our time, with our energy, with our assets. 
Uh, We aren't self-centered, but others-centered. Here's another strand to pick up on. Uh, Don't be presumptuous, but be thankful. You see, there's another way of guarding against greed in our hearts is to be thankful, not presumptuous. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 verse 4 says this, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So boys, as you enjoy your fitness watches, have you yet thanked God for them and for all you're enjoying with them? Whatever it is we do find we're enjoying in life, uh, could be a new car rod, it looks very nice. I noticed the number plate said ENV, and left, if the last letter was Y, I'd be tempted to envy. It is, it's beautiful. But thank God for it. It is a good thing which God has blessed you with, and it is received with thanksgiving. You see, it's easy to slip into the mindset of thinking, hey, all that I have, it's the result of my own hands. I've worked hard for it. I worked hard at school. I got good grades. As a result, I got I went to university, I got qualifications, and that opened the door to a a good job, which pays me well. It's easy to slip into that mentality. All that I have is from my own hands. And the louder the proud voice of self-provision grows, the fainter the voice of thankfulness to God is. So, don't be presumptuous but thankful. And lastly, don't be greedy but be content. You see, the antidote to greed is contentment. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says this, uh, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Where we find that we are not content, it's worth looking at our hearts and it's worth praying God, where is this discontentment coming from? And does it betray greedy seeds in my heart? A dissatisfaction with what you've given me and the place in life in which you've placed me. And when we do that and we pray to God, please help me to be content with where you've placed me in life and what you've given to me, we move from a position of being dissatisfied to being content. Let me pray for us before I open up to questions and comments. Heavenly Father, uh, this is a challenging passage of Scripture which speaks very pertinently into our lives. Help us to live our lives well, Uh, not just focusing on goals for this life, but goals for eternity. Help us to have a passion to live for you, to love you with all our hearts, and to love others, uh, to invest in others, and to invest, therefore, in people's lives and in eternity. Uh, Deliver us, we pray, from the real danger of greed in each of our hearts. Amen.